0: take the you take the chance to play with people as much as possible it seems like or to get people you know on, on your records
1: yeah i get invited to do things it's fun like i just got back from la um last week you know when you get invited to do things that that are things you never thought would happen and mm. your as a childhood dream or something james williamson of the stooges had all yeah. these songs that he had with iggy pop from yeah from the 70s and uh you know james williamson hearing his guitar on raw power search yeah. and destroy and new values and Kill City and then he just like disappeared and became like a computer guy or whatever. But recently I guess he the Stooges mm-hmm. when Ron yeah, Ashton yeah, yeah. died, Iggy and the Stooges brought James Williamson yeah. out and, and uh, he was killing it as they say. And so he made a record of all these Stooges songs that Iggy and him had not recorded and they had guest singers and uh, people like that got together in L.A. to celebrate the album, to promote it in the theater. And I was asked to sing with Allison Morsehart from The Kills to oh. do a, a duet yeah. on one of the songs. And the other people were Jello Biafra was on the bill. I got to sing <laughs> Search and Destroy with him. and, and Jello Biafra? Yeah, like, yeah, and a Chrome. It was wild. And, yeah. and the night was cool. Lisa uh, Kekulia from the Bell Rays sang. But, um, yeah, I'm a big Kills fan, so to be up there with Allison, she's, she's just really cool and, and fun. And, and the rehearsals were in L.A. and yeah. super blasting loud this guy can still play ripping guitar. But, you know, I, I don't know. Funny things happen. I never thought I'd sing with, you know, uh, Bob Weir from The Grateful yeah. Dead and do a dead song. You, you know, those things are just like um, the perks, I what guess. What
0: was that? Let's, let's, let's talk about that. What, 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 were the, what was the situation that led up to you singing with Bob Weir? That's that that's a weird fit. Um, somebody we knew worked for Rat Dog, and okay. I think
1: um, Bob became aware of us by intro walk-in music yeah. at one of those Rat Dog shows. Okay. I think the song "Brooklyn" from huh. Fine Art album was uh, on the thing, and I think uh, he said, "What's that?" And you mean just the, the stuff they play in between? Yeah. In yeah. So somebody was a stage manager, was playing a guy I knew since many years in the punk scene, and then they started through these sessions. Uh, I think it was called TRI Studios out in uh, San Rafael, up there in the Bay Area, and they had the national play, and they had. Um, different people and so we were asked to come on and do a session a live session during some tour dates or actually we flew out specifically and then uh i said well you know maybe i don't know i don't know how it came about maybe bobby wants to come and join us or he came by to check it out and then we started jamming and we did a clash song because i'd always heard there was uh, a meeting between the dead and the clash because joe strummer was interested in learning how they stayed got so big but stayed so grassroots with yeah. their fans and kept it in that kind of you know family way and so he told me a story bob we were about him and joe drinking on a roof it was just joe and bobby and then we did death of glory and we did brown eyed women which you know it's as i guess i don't know if it's getting older or looking deeper or being open-minded at a different age i don't know i never liked the grateful dead yeah. but in the last <laughs> bunch of years and maybe through some friends like you know um you know, and people covering songs, but friends that would play it, or I'd be in a club. And one night I was loading out in Pittsburgh, and I heard "Brown Eyed Women," and I was like, "Well, that's a sleazy kind of Rolling Stonesy yeah. dead song." And and so we had learned it. So that was the one, and, and we got to do that, and they filmed all that, and recorded it, and we did a session at his place. But he does these really cool sessions for artists at this really high-end, cool sonic uh, video studio with great sound. In, uh, in the Bay Area yeah. so but that's you know it's like from that to Jello Biafra you know but life is just like you know your musician songs carry you, you go, you're out there and you meet people and I think that's like I said it's like the perk that isn't just uh, oh you get paid or you get to stay out of a day job but these are the things you know as a kid you listen to these records and thought of these people but you wouldn't think you'd be having a conversation yeah. you know with these guys you know or in, in that kind of way and not on some fan club line for an autograph, so.
0: and you're but you're not. I mean, it's and it sounds like you're not precious about it from the standpoint of, of like you don't mind kind of slotting yourself in there into somebody else's thing that they're doing, just yeah. being a part of somebody else's vision.
1: You learn something when you play yeah. with other people. You get you learn how they. You know, watching Bruce Springsteen lead his band as a band leader, like how he leads twelve people, seeing that up close, or you know, thirteen, fourteen. I don't know how many people, how someone does that and how they operate, yeah. or you know. Um, You know, seeing uh i'm trying to think of some other situations when we were younger we with degeneration we toured with kiss and we toured with the ramones was our first tour and and getting to see how they operated on the road we'd never been on you know we had a van we'd go to connecticut for one gig or new jersey but to go out and see how they did it every night they were a machine and how they made it work and how economically and just how they sustained it physically and uh with love and hate you know but you know you see that in in anything in that situation but I I do say no to a bunch of things right now with the new record coming out I'm being a lot more selective about I just want to do my stuff play with my band and do this for a while because there's always tributes to some artist you know you live in New York and you know I could put on a do a drag queen act if I need to
0: <laughs> but it's been it's been it's been what five five years since the last record is that it'll be
1: five years in April when yeah. it comes out, which is the longest i 've ever gone and uh I never want to do that again maybe there's some people have told me that there's there's good in it that it, that the distance yeah. um, started in two thousand and two with the first release and then did three and then a covers record and then one the last record was two thousand and ten. Love it to life
0: uh, but go, but going out and doing doing like all these incredibly different things with incredibly different people I mean that, that lets you reset a little bit right let's see yeah you kind of get I, back to it, and
1: learning other people 's songs, you know we yeah. did some of these Dylan and Petty fests, and uh, <laughs> we go to Chicago or l a and do that with, with a group of cool musicians and and uh, and nice folks, but also learning other people 's stuff sometimes when you 're asked to do a song and you 're like really i wouldn 't think to sing you know that song or whatever you kind of forced to look at how maybe it's written and you you know, own it and take it in as your own. Um, recently did something for Joan Jett. She received an award for like a lifetime achievement thing, little kids rock charity. And, um, I just wanted to do Bad Reputation because I want to do the song I could jump around to the most sometimes if you're coming on to do one song with somebody it's harder doing your own set you can pace yourself dynamically you know your songs you've lived in them but here's a song that you don't really know maybe that well you just got off the paper like a puppy like I'm off the papers and um, you're ready to you know do it and then you you know by the time you're up there it's over it's like that first drop on the cyclone you think about it think about it and like what happened it's done
0: to to me the the, the, the hardest part of it is Joan Jett is standing right there. Well, Your yeah. I went to watching, a rehearsal
1: yeah. at SIR, and it was yeah. like, yeah, Little Steven, Joan Jett, Mike <laughs> Ness, um, Joan Jett's manager yeah. of the band. And, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, she sings this song every night. She knows it, you know. Yeah. Like, so, um, yeah, that and you're looking that person in the eyes singing that. We did that. There was a tribute to Bruce Springsteen at Carnegie Hall. Yeah. They do these tributes there, and they did one. It was a sick lineup. Patti Smith, Steve Earle, Marah, Joseph Arthur. Um, I'm going to forget, like, some really good ones. Badly Drawn Boy. And um, Hold Steady, they hmm. killed it. And myself, I did a duet with Ronnie Spector. That's another story. But um, Bruce was there, you know, and he came down and he was like, oh, I feel like I was just watching yeah. my funeral. But you know, it, in a good way, like just hearing all these people do your music. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, you know, you play covers or songs you learn. Unfolding songs is like a mystery. And maybe sometimes you get a line on someone else's head or it might influence what you're doing. So um, yeah, and it's it's more of a recent thing these last couple of years. I think people are really into tributing stuff now. It's yeah, a nostalgia crazes in.
0: Well, it's like it's like if the bands themselves aren't going to get back together, we should at least get, get some people together and play yeah. the music for them. Because that's been that's been the big thing for the past you know I guess like ten years now is bands getting back together doing doing the album in its right. entirety front to back showing you know twenty year old stuff. W- were you were you a
1: Springsteen fan growing up?
0: Because I find like especially people in and around punk like it's a, pr- it's a pretty divisive thing to talk about
1: well now it's become hip the last yeah. 10 years it's yeah. not changed but we used to get you know when I got into it well growing up um I liked Loud Crazy Guitars, ACDC and yeah. Kiss and then after that we got beat up for liking Kiss because like the kids older I guess knew that it was maybe corny to them <laughs> so I got beat up by people that like Zeppelin and Sabbath and then even people that like the Grateful Dead <laughs> beat us up but then I got into punk but I it was late you know yeah. um, the, the punk scene at that point was over a lot of the bands had died or broken up or went disco or trying to power pop new wave whatever cash in they could do of their evolution so when hardcore was new that was like our music music as mm. children and you know teenagers so I was 13 years old I put out god is dead it i think it was the first new york hardcore record the first seven inch first record to come out of new york with that nyhc thing but you know the the music was changing the bad brains in dc were speeding up the tempos listening to dickie's records and listening to dead boys and speeding it up more taking their jazz fusion chops out in california you know dead kennedys were pushing that whole 77 punk thing to a whole nother level and connecting with the crowd diving in the audience and and then in la you know circle jerks black flag like that whole thing it was something was brewing and um it was great to be part of something that people weren't saying, "Oh, that you missed out. You missed the '60s. You know, you missed the '70s. You may. here in the early '80s were like kids in junior high school, and we're part of something that was happening right there. Hardcore matinees, shows at A7. Like the dance moves had their own move. Like you know, we we're singing about things that were happening at that time. The nuclear arms race, Reagan. You know, and and so from that. Um, you know, I, I, all before that and during that time, to me, Bruce Springsteen was something my dad listened to with Bob Seger, and um, it was a deep voice and these long songs that I mm. thought they were just about New Jersey. And then sometime in in the 80s, I was getting fed up with the hardcore scene becoming everything it was supposed to be against, like, you know, freedom and nonconformity and, you know, non-macho violence, and then suddenly... It's so when metal and hardcore kind of mixed sure. that it became like what I was trying to get away from in the schoolyard. people
0: stopped picking each other up in the pit. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and everything I wanted to get away from in the schoolyard in Queens with the jocks. And suddenly, you know, if you didn't look a certain way, yeah. you didn't fit a certain way at um, the hardcore shows, that you got weird looks, you got beaten up. So I was like, I don't know. Plus, some, musically, it was less interesting at that point. So as I was looking for other things, I happened to come across a vinyl copy that I'd had from my dad. Mm funny enough of of Nebraska and I sat down and read the lyrics and looked at the cover and it's an acoustic record and I was like man this guy is really speaking about real people working class struggles um, people that are desperate it paints a picture I could really feel like I'm in these stories and it's not like just like hey you know Rambo get a pickup truck like and then I got born in USA and read all the lyrics to that and then half of the songs Mm -hmm. on that record people go to jail or they end up broke or um so I start to think, well wow, there's more to this. People see it as like, you know, put the bandana on and get a pickup truck and yell for the country, but this is really saying something about America. It's actually questioning it. In fact in some ways it's anti war and you know, it is very much so. So um it was funny, and, and I'd been through that with punk where, you know, people thought, well, if you're into punk you killed your girlfriend, you're a heroin addict, you're a homosexual with a swastika on your head, you know, you're whatever. Some people are that, but that that whole Sid Vicious, like, negativity yeah. you know, kind of nihilism, and yeah. to me that was just to get people's attention, I thought, and then there was a message that was positive. And I've always been about the, the PMA, the positive mental attitude, you know, <laughs> um, but, and so I saw this, like, in Bruce's music, like, there was really, it was real, and yeah. I went to a Show and the guy played his ass off. So suddenly I started going back and checking out like Darkness on the Edge of Town. I was like, man. That Nebraska stuff is in there and all this this real, like, painting a picture of characters, slice of life, struggle, working man with, with hope and, and belief in something better and, and, and some great songwriting and great painting pictures, storytelling and ripping guitars. So I, I got past uh, a lot of that and then start to turn my friends on yeah. and go, hey, check out this. Read the lyrics because we were all, like, into that, you know, lyric sheet, anarchy, mm-hmm. crass, Dead Kennedys, like, read the lyrics, mm. clash, whatever and then my friends were like you're crazy you're into that macho patriotic and I was like no Born in the USA yeah. is not read the fucking words so that I still got some grief but now you know you see the new bands uh, whoever you know Arcade Fire and Bruce Springsteen and Conor Oberst. and I think people have given the newer generation of kids, I think, understand what a great writer and what a great artist he is. And he's finally become like a Bob Dylan like he's always been. But I think there's less of that hating on things. But then again, people today I think are a lot more... um, Accepting. When I grew up, people would beat each other up, like I was saying, but people would fight over what they like. Yeah. People into hip-hop would fight on the train with you if you were a punk. And, you know, in, in England, people fought if you were a mod or a rocker or a punk. And, and it, I'm not into violence at all, but the idea that people were really into what they are now, it's like, yeah, I like a little of this, and I like that. Yeah. And I go to, you know, I think Lollapalooza around that time in the 90s with MTV, it's like, yeah, I like this, and I, you know, give me a little techno, give me some gothic, and I like, you know, and... That sounds open-minded, and it should be that way. But on another hand, I'd rather somebody say, "You know what? I don't like a lot of stuff, but I really like this." And I, you know, and the things I like, I could tell you everything about. But the other things, I'm oblivious to. Yeah, no,
0: I mean that, that, that's it exactly. Is like, and you know, this 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 this, this will make it sound like like you know crotchy old men talking about it. But th- there's something to be said for having to hunt something down to like to 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 you know go out of your way to find. Music versus now, where every everything is around, and you lose any sort of semblance of contextual information, and that's you know the, the, one one of the downsides of something like Spotify and being able to pick things at all times is you don't really, you know, maybe you don't really go back, you don't you don't you don't you know you don't check out that artist's back catalog, and you don't really sort of
1: like you just get a song, it's yeah. disposable, it was fast. I mean, to me. I still like going to record stores, bookstores. Yeah. I like what's going to shows. Album. Yeah, what's left of yeah. them? You know, I almost called this album "Paper and Wax." You know, <laughs> it's like, but I like the idea of being around people, of spontaneous shopping. Yeah. Of you know, you go to a record store, you might. Find something you didn't expect to buy. Here's something. Meet somebody. Form a band. Fall in love. Rob the store. Whatever it'll be. Mm-hmm. Like that being present in that and going to shows. Yeah, you could watch it on YouTube or whatever, you know, some kind of Vimeo thing. But to go out and be with a bunch of people mm. in a dark room listening to guitars, strangers, people that are there maybe, you know, for similar reason or not. Like that that kind of energy that can't be done taken in some digital device. And and a lot of what this record is about for me that's coming out in March, yeah. New York Before the War, is... Is yeah. about the, the beat down of the culture and finding ways to, to still hold on to things of value that aren't just like flash, digital, yeah. deleted. And how people, you know, I want to be in the moment as much as, yeah, I have a smarty pants phone and a, I'm on Facebook and all that, but I also can say the name can yeah. you? <laughs> I also like um, yeah. you know going at, when I'm at a show or I went to see Wilco recently mm. at the Porchester and it was so few people on the phone and not like yeah. you're taking a picture saying look what I'm doing to show somebody else I'm having fun yeah. look i ate this instead of just being there and being in it and I feel that um just our times you know we've been wasting at the world chewing at it digging in fracking this all all the stuff that we're doing to kind of slowly you know the plastic's building up it's like it's time bomb but you know it's that battle to to keep um, to keep ahead to keep present to keep you know, history. I'm big into history. I'm big yeah. into knowing where things come from. We used to you know, when we were kids we had a, we like the band, we want to know who produced the record, who wrote the songs, where yeah. it was recorded, why, you know, yeah. who who was in the band, what the extra stuff was. And you'd travel, you'd go distances to record stores. There was some danger to, to rock and roll and to music and it probably exists in, in someone's basement party or somewhere I don't know, but for me, I think stuff is become, or rock and roll as is is an art form is uh, become a lot safer. A lot, you know, kids, the school of rock, and everybody's kid can mm. play a guitar, and it's like a supported curricular thing. And it's nice because kids, human beings, need an outlet, they you need know. expression. But again, to get it so easy and just have yeah. it be like, oh, yeah, just like anything, it just becomes wallpaper at a certain point where, you know, then you're looking for the next thing. What's the next? dangerous thing that challenges our society with art that challenges people's mindset you know what what is that thing that's going to make people think i think you know music and art whoever it is 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 the thing that i've connected to films whatever but um maybe it's demonstrations i don't know they've had everything's been done i think it's all how you do it like you know how many love songs in the world everyone's got a freaking love song but it's it's how you say it some guy could come in here with acoustic guitar and Blow our minds right now and ask us to buy a rose off him, but you know what?
0: <laughs> rock, rock, rock and roll is a tough thing to, to, to keep dangerous, though, because it just, it's just—it's you know—it's some, something our parents and grandparents were listening to, like that. That genre to have to, to to like what 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 what's around right now? What's around that's keeping rock and roll as as sort of like you know bleeding edge and, and yeah. And I'd say right at this it. moment
1: it might be tough, but you know I remember yeah. when Radio came out. They were Radiohead pushed. Uh, yeah. excuse me. When Radiohead came out, they pushed a lot of things. I think a band like Wilco constantly is progressing and changing and fucking with their listener, and but still retaining that the. the yeah, but, but Wilco
0: is, you know, I mean, Wilco is it's still... an is old 20-year-old like, band now. Yeah, <laughs> something that that dads listen to at this point. All right, right I mean, all right. Yeah. I mean, um, you, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the Hold save which is probably a little bit closer, you know. It's yeah.
1: Um, I'm trying to think of newer, newer things that I've liked. The Moon Duo, uh, some of the noisier stuff. I You know, the, uh, the Kills are an older mm-hmm. band, but, I, you know, I was saying it did something with, with Allison yeah. Mosshart, but I like that their stuff is dark oh. and fucked up yeah. and... You know, it's not so nice and clean or garage or pop. It You know, it has some kind of edge. Um, I'm trying to think. There was a, a spinoff band of maybe somebody in the Black Lips that saw a record I bought that was oh, really yeah, noisy. Oh, yeah, 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 with the, uh, the
0: King Kong guys. Is that the one? Um,
1: it's not called King Tom. It was a really noisy record that I really like. It liked. wasn't
0: uh, – I think I know what you're talking about, but it was – yeah, I, I know a exactly. A scrolling what you're talking cover. About. Oh,
1: it's going to come yeah. to me. I have to run the off in my head. Yeah, here. but yeah, um, that was a good one. I mean, the Black
0: Lips are a pretty good
1: example of, <laughs> yeah. pretty
0: fucked up, weird rock and roll
1: band. Yeah, and you know, it's all how you walk it. You know, I like the Detroit Cobras records because it's you know it's sixties R and B stuff. We, uh, I think oh, that's up there. All right, swapping tea here. Um, I, I,
0: yeah, I just I you know I I, I just ask because it's like. It's one of the it's one of the things. I mean, I, you know, I don't know, like you know, I, it's, there, there's no punk right now, or if there is a punk, it's not it's not happening in rock and roll. I mean, you know, it's like uh, you know, it's I mean, obviously like hip hop, but even hip hop is a thing that's been around
1: for 20, 25 weddings. years. Yeah, yeah. it's for white people at weddings, listening to you know gangster rap and you know. dancing around with their grandparents, and you know that too, and or you know. Edgy techno music. People thought you know electronic stuff was going to be that. Yeah, but, but, but
0: I, I guess do you, you know. Do you feel like because like y- your new record is a, is is an interesting example because you know there's 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 some there's some faster songs on there. There's some more sort of rock and roll. Um, like Stones-style, like bluesy songs, but the first song is kind of a... It's a it's a ballad, you know? It's a real it's a piano ballad. You know?
1: Yeah, well, I, it probably, you know, it was a weird place to put that song, but yeah. I wanted to put that there to kind of throw people a little bit and be like, yeah. this record isn't... It's kind of like waking up from, like, a dream. It's called The Dreamers, but, you know, yeah. having something a little darker. It's a ballad, but, like, that builds and just kind of throws the record into not what you'd expect when you put it down and listen. Yeah. It's going to have – that. this is saying, all right, this is going to be somewhat different here. Um, what, what is what
0: is what is that dream? Is that a, suspe- a specific point in your life that you're waking up from? Um, up I think something? from a lot of the
1: traveling I do and I yeah. think a lot of thinking about people in different time zones and trying to stay connected and um, – And when I started to write this record, I toured a whole bunch and came home and my friends, you know, that my age had kids and been married and joined more of a mainstream world. And then other people I grew up with that are my age that lived real hard had been dying around this time and starting, you know, their bodies started to give out. And suddenly I found myself, you know, in back in New York, living in this time and uh, questioning everything. And Mm. it reminded me of uh, how I'd wake up really disconnected in in different countries, not knowing where I was, what day in a hotel, trying to stay connected to your family, a relationship in particular in that song. And I think a lot of it also is that the connection that we have that i really got from touring a lot was that we're all the world is so small when i lived in new york and i thought oh russia then i went to russia and played and you know like in moscow and like the idea that you know what we're we are so connected it is this small planet and and i you know i wish we could have unity on this earth and have all that. that's a major christmas wish but uh um the, just the idea that wherever you go, it's still the same blood running through us. And, you know, it's the same color. It's the same. It, there's a lot of the same stuff. Whether we have different religions and different yeah. teams that we root for and costumes we wear, just that that human beat is still in us. And we go to sleep and we wake up and we got to look in that mirror. So that that was kind of the setup with that song, uh, amongst uh, just the basic uh, longing.
0: So you're you're sort of starting this line between we're all people are all connected and then at the same time that you're waking up here and the city is it's different it's every yeah. time you come back it's a
1: it's a it's a it's, a, it's a moving very progressively in one direction yeah and if i go away and i'm you know you disconnect from people it's hard yeah. to stay in something with somebody you love even though there's so much technology to stay close you know it's still you know it's just a thing but yeah the city's city or the world is changing yeah. i got into come into the city because it had stuff that we didn't have in Queens. You know, we came down here. Now, you would know, go on tour, you'd see stuff in different cities and different countries. Now you, you see Subway and Starbucks and yeah. Urban Outfitters, and then, there, you know, in the next city it's the same stuff, and you have to dig deeper to find, I'm vegan. Well, I'm vegetarian. Sometimes I'm vegan when I get, to get rid of the dairy. I can't give up my pizza. That's like yeah. my electric chair meal. But, like, I, I look. I search out record stores and vegetarian restaurants, yeah. and, you know, you can go to Whole Paycheck or Whole Foods, as they call it um, – you know, and do that, and it helps because you know. And if you're in a rush to get to a sound check, and you got to get your, you know exactly yeah, what the store it is. Yeah, you all can, the stores are exactly whatever. whatever the same, but yeah. um, you know, I, I like to look for stuff that's different and unique. And and yeah. when I was start New York was something for a long time was its own like provincial place, like you know not part of America, mm. and then suddenly. America came to New York, and we yeah. became part of America more than ever and I think that happened after September eleventh I thought that would just scare everybody away. it was heading in that direction from disneyland you know forty second street and giuliani 's quality yeah. of life and and then um and, you know putting everybody in jail for their blue laws uh, but suddenly after september 11th people felt very sympathetic to new york or they wanted to be part of it as a part of our country and and started moving here instead of running from it they they embraced it which was nice but it also brought a ton of people here and made Mm -hmm. rents really hard and i think that you know downtown manhattan where we sit now on avenue a you know this place is probably struggling or whatever you could see it's dinner time this is a dinosaur of a spot four people yeah but um you came down here as an artist uh, and I did it you know very young age because you could do it for cheap that's where stuff was happening because it was essentially a a beaten down area or you know or as an area where um, you could create and do things and find a rehearsal room or an artist space to paint or a place to throw a party or a gig or you know go to a show or drink free cheap whatever and now it's like very expensive to live in New York and people are moving back to Brooklyn and Queens and clubs yeah. are opening up and that's all stuff that you know we were running to get the hell out of there and now it's like oh really so it's flipped I still live in the Old Apple because um you know I'm familiar with it I've been here long I can turn a trick here better than other places <laughs> or whatever you
0: say yeah I know I went uh I had I had Richard Hell on the show a a few months back, and went you know went to his apartment, and just it's crazy like walking through that door, and it being like 1978 New York on the other side of that door. But you know he's he's right he's right in this area. He's like a couple blocks from where we are. That's the same place that he's had. Same place that he's had since. Eighties, seventies, something like that. I mean, he's been there at least twenty years, um, and you know, and at I, least and, probably, yeah. And I look at you know, I look at somebody like him, and it, I guess it makes sense from the standpoint that I'm pretty sure that he's in some kind of nice rent control situation. You know, he's he's in that spot where like. Financially it almost like doesn't make sense for him to move anywhere else.
1: Yeah, I always wonder how people like that do it. The guy made two albums twenty million years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he's you know, I see him walking around the neighborhood, I don't know, it doesn't look like he has a day job, so you get an apartment like that. Yeah. You can live off the blank generation check <laughs> or I don't know I don't know his deal but I always wonder with, with some of these artists that have done some great stuff and I see them and how you know what else are they going to do go teach work at a law firm no <laughs> you know it's
0: Which, you know I, I guess you know I guess you know he's he happens to be in a situation where like he, he, he can stay yeah absolutely where he can stay here but you know I'm, I, that's I've, I've rare been, because you yeah. know
1: I've been asked you know, I lived on when I made the first album Fine Art of Self-Destruction I didn't have a record deal yeah. and I was living on the safest block at the time, the Hells Angels block, East 3rd Street. And uh, somebody had bought the building. I was paying $400 a month rent to live across from the Angels. No windows in this hood, close to everything. You know, New York was still New York. And they gave me uh, $29,000 to leave. And I owed some people some money, not a lot, but I paid off some debts so I could walk on some other streets. (laughs) And then I took the rest and I went in the studio and made my first record of course then I had to move into a 1600 a month thing on Ribbington that sucked but uh, I was able to take that money and and be able to do something that would then change my life for the next 10 years by having a a solo album that that would take me on the road but um, yeah giving up that now I live in these places you know you have relationships, you know people. You hear about things, but it is pretty ridiculous what what people do to live in this city. But I think it's like that. I, mean, I love London. I would love yeah. to live in London. San Francisco is even more expensive than New York,
0: yeah, especially in the last year. I, I mean, that's you know that's a, that's a super that, that, that's that's kind of the ultimate ballsy artist move, right? Is I'm ev- here's everything I have. I'm going to invest it into this one thing. You're fortunate that you are in a place where like that was the beginning of some momentum for you did, did you ever have a did you ever have a, a plan b
1: um you know i i don't know what else to, i would enjoy doing i mean i love film i didn't go to college i went on been tour doing since you were 12 yeah i mean it has not been. i mean i've taken um some money from publishing and and opened up uh you know a bar yeah. with a, a couple friends and, and that's been going on for a while um it's Niagara, yeah state, and yeah. you know but you know you have several partners and you know you in the beginning i wasn't around a lot but it's definitely uh you know i've dj'd there during hard times <laughs> i've gone and done you know i thought of like well, what could i do if i didn't do music yeah. you know well i don't know i like movies or i like uh i almost did a spoken word show once down at the living room and and uh, it was Henry great. Rollins route. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Lenny Bruce and jello Biafra and Henry yeah. Rollins stuff. But uh, you know, there's something great about telling a, a story when you have an acoustic guitar or an electric guitar in your hand, yeah. and any minute you could safely break into a song. But you finished one story, and I was like, <sighs> turned around, I was like, no band. All right, another story. Yeah, you, it, it was very naked, but um, very. Uh, Scary and and rewarding in a certain way but I don't really know and and I've had moments where I thought like I'm just gonna have to stop you know you go get to a certain age when I turned 40 I thought you know oh shit you know well I'm not playing Madison Square Garden. I'm still living in downtown Manhattan. And it's like the glass hem- half empty, half full. It's all how you feel. I mean, I love yeah. playing. I love that I stay out of a day job. But I could go anywhere, almost anywhere, you know, several places in the world and just play with my guitar and always have some food, always have some money in my mm-hmm. pocket and a place to stay. Maybe I'm a little more cosmopolitan than that when I live in New York and write records and think I'm Woody Allen's uh, half cousin. But it – it. uh it's nice to know that at least that there's something under there. But yeah, it doesn't always go easy. It's not yeah. I gotta pay musicians, some parts of the country. I mean having a record out in five years and the music business is like totally changed just even in the five years. You know, we used to get big record advances yeah. and publishing yeah. advances but the, you know, sell T shirts and vinyl and we um, you know, play shows and you gotta go where it's warm where they where they, you know, give you the love and, and uh and the budget to do it. But it, it's definitely different. And everybody's in a band in this town and you know it's it's uh it's less of a mystique and a special thing, but that's what I love to do so i, I just stick with it fuck it
0: yeah i it's i I was talking to somebody about this recently, and this is the, this is it's one of the tough things about surrounding yourself with creative people who are really good at what they do is it's hard not to end up kind of gauging your own success by other people, you know especially like you you've you've been put in a lot of these really awesome positions where you're around like some of the best and most successful people who have made rock and roll music right you know and uh it, it, how do you how do you how do you gauge your own success and and how do you sort of like how do you avoid falling in in to the really dangerous trap of comparing yourself against other other
1: people's successes? you gotta put it into perspective and realize everybody has a different story and a thing the other day i got together with a bunch of people for uh a memorial you know um a bunch of people i knew from the hardcore days and mm. and seen some of these people in 30 years and you know to some of them they were saying oh my god you know it's like some of your relatives you go back home you've made it And yeah, you know, yeah, i see yeah, you on yeah, the yeah, tonight yeah. show or something yeah, you know. yeah. and you would got into some people it's like i'm um, you know bob dylan or billy joel or something <laughs> And then you know, and other musicians that are struggling, and you would love to be able to say they could play the Bowery Ballroom on a Saturday night and sell it out, or Irving yeah. Plaza. And then you know, I could look at myself and say, well, you know, my other friends are playing the Beacon Theater and yeah. selling it out three nights, and yeah. they're on you know this TV show and saying it live, and, and blah blah. So you have to kind of look at what you do, be in the moment. I'm still very hungry. I mean, putting out this new record, doing all this stuff leading up to it, talking about it, makes me realize how much I'm grateful, but I appreciate it. But, you know, I want to reach more people Hmm. than keep going out each year and, and playing to the same you know crowd when you open up for different people um, over the last bunch of years of my solo records sometimes you know we play with different bands and sometimes it worked you know for Flock and Molly I got punched in the head open for Gogo Bordello they were more receptive Counting <laughs> Crows you know it depends yeah it depends but you're, you're used to connect to some folks and yeah. and, and break and, and go out there but um, for me I'm just happy that I get to do it every day and, and that um, you know that if you stay at something and you keep going I've looked at other artists that you know sometimes like oh my god it must be such a drag to be so and so and they just keep going and it's like that Winston Churchill thing you're going through hell you keep going but I'm not going yeah. through hell but eventually if you're very dedicated and, and continue to do work that you really believe in hopefully somebody will notice And but if not hopefully you're having a, a good time doing it and if you can find a way to, to get through each year um, that's all I try to do. I stay focused, and I still get excited. I wake up every morning, like you know, anything could happen. Day I jump down, do some push-ups, think about like making stuff happen. What can I do? It's what's a PMA. what's yeah, what? Yeah, what's going to go on? Yeah, the, yeah. the PMA, baby. Oh, you still,
0: but you. But you're still you're still kind of looking at at your at your your place in the world. Your place in the 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 music world. Your place in pop culture. You're looking at this next, next record, and you're thinking of of how you can get to another level. from
1: Yeah. That? How I can reach more people, yeah. how my music can grow, how I can grow as an artist. I yeah. feel like this record, I wanted to make a record that, you know, challenged me a little bit and the sound of it and some of the parts and some of the writing. And hopefully even my fans, you know, I didn't want to like go metal techno, you know, hip hop no. on anybody, but I wanted it to be different than the last record, but same as the first, you know, something where there was elements of the, of this path of this evolution um, somewhat connected, you know, to everything I've done, and I wanted a record that connected pretty much all the music that I've been working on since I started with Heart Attack, and, and have have pieces of that in there somehow, um, you know, not like some mashup, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I, I just stay in the moment, and I, you know, I, I do get excited. I am hungry for for new things to happen and, and making stuff happen. And it's exciting for me to figure out how to way ways to do that. And I also notice if I watch, you know, clips or this or that, that you know, I see the growth and the challenge to to um, yeah. to be better at what you do and you know, be a better singer, or a better live performer. Or, you know, find a be better with the crowd, how to get out in front of an audience that doesn't know you and and make shit happen there. And uh, I don't know, you know, and you learn stuff. Like I said, playing with other musicians that you respect, or strangers, or getting other people in the band. It's just—I uh, still think it's exciting. I still like watch the, you know, the documentaries or listen to my old records or get a new record or see some young band and go like, "Fuck, this is yeah. what we do." Getting up on stage is, you know, scary. I, I get um, nervous at times, but I, I always loved riding roller coasters or. Asking out that girl that you're really intimidated by or, you know, it makes you feel alive. It's like affirming that, you know, that, that feeling in your stomach, those butterflies. Is, maybe I'm an adrenaline junkie. I don't know. But there's something about conquering that. And uh, and then you get it again each night. You get on stage. You've been
0: this for 30-plus years and yeah. you still, yeah. still get nervous going on stage. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, not always. Sometimes you're not, and it's you nice know. to be relaxed. But it's good to, yeah, you're thinking about different things. I mean, expectations and stuff. I think that's uh, it's part of feeling that that extra jitter alive, and then you have a little drink to offset it. If the, if you're still drinking, you have a tequila. Come and join me. Uh, you know, I, I, as I drink herbal tea in a <laughs> coffee shop. Yeah,
0: I know. We we both went to tea. Uh, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the the po- positive mental attitude. But you know, like again, like doing this for thirty years, you've got to have those. Those nights when it's not so great you 've got to have those nights when you're when you're really wondering if like this is something you should still be doing at forty
1: five yeah, I was in Detroit a few years ago, playing in the middle of the snowstorm, and I got took a walk to try to find anything to eat from this club that had not even potato chips and mm. and it was freezing. I got covered in snow, and not a lot of people came to the show and I you know I was just like. Hey, obviously reasons the snow makes it worse but it you know it would have probably been a rough night it would ticket sales were weird and yeah i was just there it was so beaten down in detroit and i was kind of far from home and i started to think about like yeah what the hell am i doing and I, but you know there's that thing every job has its monday and you know some yeah. t- some nights you you work and you it's like it is a j-o-b and some nights you know the the audience is is lifting you up and this thing happens playing with a crowd and your band and, and you realize, wow, this is so great. But there are nights where you, you you can't, you know, I've had that where I've gone back to a hotel room or staying at a friend's house or con home and, and really, you know, looked at myself and said, you know, wow, you know, I maybe should be thinking about something else you know, figure out what that would be. And when I've hit that wall for not long periods of time, but there was one short period, like I said, about maybe six years ago, and um, after I sat with it for a while, I, you know, then I got turned on again with music and realized that this is what I got to do no matter what. And so uh, maybe I'll die like Hank Williams in the back seat on the way to a gig <laughs> or whatever. If somebody wanted to make a movie recently, and they started filming all this stuff, and they had different angles. Like, yeah. You know, you know all these people, and you've been in all these bands, and you, 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 you've been around, and you've got stories yeah. and bits, and let's do a movie. And I said, well, you can start filming. That's cool, but... I don't feel like there should be a film on me because I feel like I'm still telling, the, yeah. f- creating this story. I'm, it'd be me like saying, who do I think I am, you know? And uh, I don't want to be like, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, if I died or if, um, you know, as I create more of a body of work, I feel like the story's still being told. And I'm not like a household name or even a, you know, a cult hero. You know, I'm just uh, doing what I do. So
0: it's, it, it's, it, And it's sort of fu- it's funny to, to think about your own life in terms of, a documentary especially when you compare it up against you know all these like all these rock documentaries you've seen all all the exciting stories when you actually like look at what you do day to day you probably don't feel like robert plant <laughs> right
1: yeah i mean someone could try to tell you and sell you on the story like "Well, you got this we can connect it historically and this and that And you've done all these things with these people but I don't know. Uh, you got to keep yourself in check and yeah. not be like, yeah, i got to do a movie about me, and I'm going to write a book. Like, I probably could write a pretty funny book with a lot of bits in it, but I'm still writing that book, yeah. you know, in life, you know, and and so whatever. <laughs> I'll read the other books, and I'll read Richard Hell's book, and, you know. It's, remember, it's
0: great. You should. It's, it's yeah. a great book. Yeah, I remember and at Patty the Smith end too. I read a
1: New York Times, uh, the Patty Smith uh, review of that book. It said yeah. – uh he, he won't be getting many Christmas cards this <laughs> year. Um, yeah, but yeah. You know, that stuff, you know, I'm into all the history. And, and um, there's a book that just came out on Hardcore, or N- NYHC, yeah. or New York Hardcore, 1980 to 1990. And I did some interviews for it, but I heard it's a pretty good book. Yeah. And I want to check that out. You know, there's always stuff. That stuff's fun on the airplane when you're trying to read something fast and whatever. Where, where,
0: where do you, so where do you land on, like, you know, nostalgia for, for your own stuff? I mean, you 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 did some reunion shows with one of your... Former bands, Yeah, Degeneration did that a
1: couple years ago. I think that's part of the time that was spent between the five years with this record was I got back with those guys. But, you know, it was the same five guys. I grew up with them since junior high school. We had something that was an energy. It was a real band, you know, like a gang, like when you're really with people. And we kept getting offered every year, you know, like to go to Spain and do festivals or play this. So finally we said, all right, everybody wants to do it. Everybody's healthy and alive and you're watching people, you know drop and let's do this so we got together and the shows musically were stronger than than i remember them being and then we tried to do some recording and we wrote some really great songs but we kind of all got a bit intense with each other it's like a five-headed marriage and it was time to shelf that for a while and now it's gonna it's in the works of coming together but um of getting that stuff out but yeah i mean it was just something I was like you know these are people I care about this is something that maybe we can do once in a while I started to look at other artists and go like yeah I'm here in the moment this is what I do but like you know Frank Black can do the Pixies and then he can do his solo stuff and it's not like oh you're signed to this label and you have to play this and be in this album cycle it's like you know you want to go off and do 10 Jack White projects or do this, or you know, that, that that's the, one of the good things, I think, about the new era of the music biz or whatever. So, um, yeah, it was fun doing that for a little while, and then it's nice to get back into what I do. I mean, you know, I, I like history. Like I said, I like nostalgia. I like culture. I like, you know, I'm a fan of all that, but I, I like having new things. I can watch Taxi Driver and all my old movies over and over again, and it's great, but sometimes you need things to hit you that you haven't seen that you don't know cuz that inspires you because you know you can get desensitized to the things that you know so well yeah, You've and heard London Calling so many times, yeah. and you're like, whatever. But then to go in a bar and hear something, go, what's that? Yeah. And it makes you want to write a song or to, you know, to, to see a film that you've never seen. You don't know how it's going to end, and it's fresh. It just knocks you in a, in a fresh way.
0: And having nostalgia for something else is very different than having nostalgia for, for for your own work, too.
1: Yeah. Well, we did one thing where we did a tour. We played one of the records, my yeah. first record. Well, we didn't do a full. We did a few dates, but... Um, yeah, that, that's tough, you know, you can get into that, become an oldies actor, become some thing, you know, I think it's constantly, uh, it's great to be constantly, you know, looking forward and being like right there. I mean, I say something sometimes to the crowd where I'm like, you know, looking out at the audience, I see all these different people and like, you know, whatever, different ages, different, coming from different places, but we're here right now, we're all live together, all yeah. of us, like right now, so let's let's do something, let's make this meaningful, hmm. you know. So.
0: Is, it, is it is it harder to, to make that connection these days? You know, now that, like, as we're talking about people are, it seems like people are just sort of going out less and spending more time on their
1: computers and staring yeah, at their screens. And, and on the phone or whatever. Yeah. But I, I don't know. When I play, I try to make it a real live experience. I want to connect with people. If I have to get out in a bar and sing, if I have to get out in the pit, if I have to just whatever it takes, yeah. or, or bring it down really soft and, and tell somebody a, a story, of, you know, to, any way to get... Get people in and break that wall between the audience and the performer. I think that was one of the great things I got from from hardcore punk and then hardcore really, you know, where it was like sharing the audience and the performer and the kids were on stage and diving off the stage and you know that, that thing that, that, that barriers down and that interaction that happens with an audience and a performer that's when a show can be taken to you know a higher level and it just can keep building and get crazier and you know from growing up seeing the Bad Brains and seeing Iggy Pop or you know, Nirvana or whatever shows that where people you know you gotta play like, like you are you got a gun at your head or that this could be the last day that on, on, you do this you know I go up on stage and you know it's, it's 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 all i got right there so you know that's i want to enjoy it
0: and it's not, it's not any harder to do that now, you
1: know, now that you've been doing this for... No, it gets hard. You don't yeah. have to find ways to get excited. you got to yeah. find ways to turn yourself on. Like, either think about your... You know, you, you have voices saying, oh, man, look at this shitty club. And, yeah. you know, wow, I don't want to sit in this dress room tonight. Or and, in the case of Detroit, I've been doing this for 30 years, and there's five people in the audience. Yeah, right like, I mean, I should think about, you know, yeah. just going back to school. or But <laughs> then and it flips. And then, you know, a couple yeah. nights later, it is, it's a sold-out place. And... You know everyone 's telling you you know how these lyrics meant something to them or blah blah blah, so you got to be able to roll with it and realize not, you know that it 's going to change and sometimes it goes through a really bad patch for a while, and then you know you get one phone call or yeah. email or something, and, and some other thing happens and suddenly you 're on this other tour or you know things can kind of happen and i 've done it enough to know that things are going to come and go and go through different cycles, yeah. and that if you just stay into what you 're doing and give the best you can. You know, that it's going to go. It's not it's like, you know, in Goodfellas, sometimes you've got to take a beating. Like, everybody has to take mm. a beating on it. You know, that, that's just going to be shitty for a yeah. while. But that,
0: I mean, that's, so that's, I, that's sort of the main thing you learned in, in a lot of ways, it sounds like, it's just a sort of like being able to to, to, to look at the big picture, to, you know, to realize that there are just going to be days and weeks when it doesn't feel like it's worth it. Or oh, years, yeah. But you've experienced, because you've experienced it at its height, you know that there's still some of that in the
1: future. Yeah, and from watching other people, like I said, yeah. you know, we were kids, we we had a band, and we opened up uh, a band called Hope, actually, before Degeneration, mm-hmm. opened up for Suicide. Yeah. I don't know, 1990 or something, yeah, CBGB's, and at that point, they weren't getting a lot of respect, and they were playing, you know, CB's yeah. is not that big of a place, and I, I don't know, it, it just bummed me out. It wasn't, I'm a big fan now and everything, and I just yeah. didn't get it, and I, you know... Now that band has stuck around, and and they're amazing. Two people, and and, yeah. and the world keeps catching up to them. And every you know ten years, a bunch of other people will think this yeah. is like something new they discovered. Yeah. And you know those guys are in their seventies, and they're going to play Webster Hall soon, or they'll they, you know band 's flaming lips love them or this or that it 's like I think if you just stay in it and do do stuff that's that mean it 's meaningful to you yeah. and that 's all you have to that, that don 't happen and if it doesn 't whatever at least I mean for the most time mo- most days i 'm pretty happy with stuff and it 's more exciting now you know with a new record and when you have stuff, I think putting stuff out you got to put stuff out to be able to get something back you make a record you, you slave over it, you do all this stuff. But then the reward is to go and be able to play it live, and you know, get out there and and, and sweat and live in these songs. Hopefully, so, they're worthy of that. You know? so
0: speaking, you know, <laughs> speaking of speaking of not former, but speaking of, of hardcore guys, uh, I was talking to Kevin Seconds, had him on the show a while ago, and just that sort of that that idea of you know having been in a hardcore band and having looked at you know people like. The Rolling Stones or whatever people who are in their, you know, at that point, I guess, like their forties and fifties, yeah, right, right. like these old guys playing the music—and then now, sort of like realizing that you're that age. When you know, when you look at when you look at a band like you know, like a band like Suicide or or, or whoever, like people who are still playing music into their sixties and seventies, do you see yourself? as you know as long as you can sort of still stand up and get on stage well and- right
1: now you know not my 50s but i you <laughs> know i run you know i eat well i yeah. you know i like to drink and i like to get out and get stupid but i always wanted to be you know alive and and you know like i said going to see people like seeing the bad brain seeing hr back yeah. in the day doing backflips or you know people that were really connected to what they do and and physically there so um you know, I think the world has maybe changed for some people. I went to see Mick Jagger recently. He's like 71 or 72, two years ago, and mm-hmm. it was pretty good. I thought it was going to be really ridiculous, and you know, but it was all right. I mean, I don't know. i just go as I go. I think sure. rock and roll, you know, is supposed to be done when you're 30 or, you know, 40. Forget it. But... um you know, I'm in the singer songwriter business, so yeah. I can. Nah. <laughs> um, I, I think you know, just you take it as it goes. I yeah. feel good now, and I, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I, I don't get like as tired like as you think you would when you picture yourself at that age and go, yeah. "Shit, man, forget it." But uh, yeah, it seems to work so far. So let's take each day. There you go, that was Jesse Mallon, uh, conducted that
0: one before the release of his, his new album, it's out now, uh, New York Before the War. Uh, I think he mentioned this at one point during the interview, but we, uh, we had that conversation at the Odessa Cafe, uh, place on, uh, place on Avenue A. Uh, you know, if you're, if, if you're from New York, if you live in New York, you're, you're probably pretty familiar with it, but, uh. If you're visiting from out of town, it's 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 worth checking out. Um, you, you, it's it's just it's kind of a vestige of, of old New York. It's the sort of thing that just uh, there's not a lot of certainly certainly not in the, the East Village Alphabet City uh, part of part of Manhattan. Um, and you know it's it's one of those places where uh, I, I hate to even say this. It sounds it sounds so bad and jinxy and horrible, but um, it's one of those places. As as you're walking past it, you, you get the feeling that um, given. Given the way things are going, it, you know, it's it's certainly not going to be around forever. So it's a uh, it's kind of a you know, no no frills uh, Greek dinner, certainly worth uh, worth checking out. Right across the street from uh, from Ni- Niagara, one of uh, a number of bars that uh, that Jesse owns in the city. Um, I'm, you know, I'm really I'm I'm glad that uh, glad that I had the opportunity to sit down with him uh, for a number of reasons, not the least of which is, uh, you know, I've been I've been in New York for about 12 years now, and one of the things about living in the city is is uh the city itself is kind of always at the forefront of, of your brain and in, in, in some way or another and, and I don't um you know, I, I I can't say that I know anybody who doesn't have at least somewhat of a, a love hate relationship with New York City. Um, you know, it's just uh you've you've heard this a lot, but you know, it's not uh, not a particularly easy place to live, but it certainly has its benefits. But, you know, it's it's uh Sometimes, sometimes as, as you're walking around the city, it's, it's, it, you know, feels, um, it feels like they're, they're fewer and far between. And um, I, I don't, uh, I always feel, I always feel like a fraud saying something like that to somebody like, uh, like Jesse or, uh, you know, I just had, um, I just interviewed uh, John Spencer for, for the show and, and he touches on this a little bit uh, in his new record as well. But, uh, you know, I always, I always feel, feel um, kind of like a, like an imposter um, complaining about these sorts of things, especially to somebody like uh, Jesse Bell who's who's lived in the city the, the, uh, his entire life. But I'm glad that uh, got a little bit of perspective on that uh, collaboration. You know, music making. Bruce Springsteen is—it's kind of inevitable that Bruce Springsteen will, will come up over the course of a conversation with a New York musician. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. You can check out his uh, album; it's out now. Uh, New York before the war. Uh, thank you so much to him for sitting down, taking the time to do that. Uh, thanks to you guys for for listening. If you liked what you heard, you can send us an email. It's rylcast at gmail dot uh, Follow us on, on Tumblr. That's rylcast That is the first and best place to find out everything about the show. Uh, you uh, iTunes is is also a possibility as well. You can uh, you can subscribe to us over there and check out some many other fine podcasts by the Boing Boing Podcast Network and. Uh, You know, while you're over there, you should uh, you should rate the show. We uh, we would we would very much appreciate that. Thanks so much to Brian as always, for editing this thing together. Uh, Thanks to you guys for listening. We have so many so many good shows lined up. We will be back just about this time next week with another episode of RIL.